Hello and welcome to the Queer Experience. My name is Eric. I use who they pronouns. Um, and today we're going to get emotional. We're going to get real emotional about games we played, how video games have made us feel, uh, maybe tabletop games if somebody brought some of those to talk about. Um, but today, actually, one of our guests is the reason we're doing this because they said it would be a good topic and we'd have a good time with it. Um, so before they introduce themselves, thank you to Nick for helping us get emotional today. Um, so what I'm going to do, I've got, we got a bunch of people who are going to be here and we're all going to talk about our favorite emotional moments in, in video games. And I'm going to have everyone go down the line. If you want to introduce yourself, uh, and your pronouns, and I don't have a good icebreaker question for this one. So, uh, Chris, feel free. If you just want to say whatever is on your mind after you introduce yourself, no pressure. Sounds good. Um, hello, I'm Chris, he, him pronouns. And the last game I played is Immortals Phoenix Rising because I was just playing that today for eight hours. Um, that's that's my icebreaker. That's your icebreaker. The last game you played. I like that. All right. Hi, I am MB, Mary Beth, however you want to call me. Uh, she, her pronouns. And I hate to admit that the last game I just played was World of Warcraft because it's wintertime and I had to resubscribe. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Nick. I use he, him pronouns. The last game I was playing was unfortunately Overwatch 2, so I'm in the same bucket as Blizzard shenanigans um yeah just can't stop i know it's just like crack it really like is <laughs> i've even uninstalled and reinstalled so many times you can't yeah. get away i feel like i need to be in somebody's detox program so. <laughs> we're gonna have to have an intervention i think that's actually right. what this podcast episode is it's just an intervention specifically for you two um all right marshall take it Hi. away I'm Marshall. I use he him pronouns, and the last game I played was Super Mario RPG, the remake. Ooh, nice. Yeah. I need the nostalgia right now. <laughs> and uh hi, I'm Matt. Um the last game I played, I it was like five minutes ago. I jumped off Starfield to come over here and chat with all these lovely folks. Uh, and I use he him pronouns as well. I still haven't I still haven't started Starfield yet. But I hear I'm good a, things. I'm a good hundred hours in at this point. It's disgusting. <laughs> You're like, I'm too, I'm too far so, in. I can't, I can't go. How far does a rabbit hole go? <laughs> All right. So the way we're doing this for the for this episode is we are going to have everyone kind of go down the line and talk about moments that made us emotional, uh, one at a time. And whenever the person shares, if other people want to chime in, share their own thoughts. Maybe if you played the same game, or if you had the same response. Um Feel free to, to jump in, but we're gonna we're gonna kick it back over. We're gonna go down kind of as as everyone is on the zoom screen. So it'll start with Chris. Um, and then we'll loop around and we'll we'll go from there. So Chris, no pressure, but you have to go first. I was hoping to bounce off other people, but um it's fine. <laughs> I wanna cry, Chris. You got an objective. But Chris, I know you play all sorts of things that make you emotional. So you just have to like I you just do, have to pick one. I know it's just there's so many everything makes me cry no um so there's just like different buckets for me of like what games made me emotional for like very different reasons like story there's games just the story make you really emotional and for those it's a lot of PlayStation games randomly like I guess the Last of Us games really emotional um Uncharted 
make me very emotional specifically mm-hmm. just like a few scenes and not the entire games but there's a lot of really good just like just overall themes <laughs> but this is already going over the place but i think i'm gonna actually <laughs> talk about <laughs> instead of instead of going randomly talking about the random naming a bunch of games more recently assassin's creed mirage was probably one of the most emotional like moments i've ever had in a game in a very long time and it's not because the story is emotional at all. <laughs> There's like nothing really that deep about it. It's an Assassin's Creed game. It's a Ubisoft game. So it's all the same formula that you expect. But it's the first AAA game I've ever played um, in Arabic. Like the voiceover all was in Arabic. The UI was in Arabic. The map, all the writings, every single thing was in Arabic. And it's the first AAA game that's ever done that. And it's just an experience I never had before. And it was very out of body like wow this is this is really strange for me i've never experienced that before um especially when the voice actors they hired are like there's egyptians there's persians and it's all it all felt really really well done um halfway through the story which is it's not a very long game if you played it um or not it, it's you know it's another assassin's creed game it's more the side missions that you know could take you a long time kind of like starfield um but halfway through I sort of had like a you know I'm gonna pause and see how long I've been playing this and it was you know over 20 hours or something and then I think I just compared it to a lot of the other Assassin's Creed games where I never had this kind of emotional attachment to the setting that much like Odyssey was fantastic game but I never felt that attached to the environment or the setting that much but given that Mirage was taking place in Baghdad, Iraq. I was just, it, it was very different. And it made me really emotional. Um, yeah, I think that's what I'm going to start with <laughs> until I bounce off other people. Okay, so, t- so taking the route more so, less of like, th- like because the characters did something other because of the plot did something, but like that that feeling of like being seen, being, being acknowledged yeah. in, in a video game in a way that, I'm assuming there's probably indie games that have done similar, like have done some things, Mm -hmm. but like at that level to have something really hit that way. Yeah, exactly. It's just the, a lot of small little attention to detail moments, stuff like hearing just NPCs and they're not just saying words off of like Google translate. It feels really (laughs) real sentence that they, that they said an actual voice actor said that in a studio and it just feels very natural um, versus something else I've experienced in other AAA games that have tried that route. Um, yeah, I had this, like, not to go off on a tangent, but Spider-Man 2, I also played um, parts of it in Arabic, and I kind of gave up after a while because it wasn't the same experience. Uh, but, yeah, it was more of that moment of, wow, oh my God, this is what it's like to feel seen in a big AAA game, and it was pretty cool. Um, I want for my first one. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go full on the story for this one. So back in my uh, back in my day, uh, back in days of when I used to stream on Twitch, uh, I played a little game called Arcade Spirits. Arcade Spirits is a visual novel game that, I mean, really, it's just about like conversations, and it's just like there's, forget there's like there might be like a couple mini games in it, but like it's very small. Most of it is just story. And it's a super, the the premise is an alternate future where during like the video game kind of boom, 
everything kind of took off in a way. So, and now like it was mirroring like big esports culture and some of those things, but like owning an arcade was like a top tier thing to do. It was like that arcade culture had really kind of burst. Um, and like the characters are really great. There's a lot of really great relationships. And like, it's just, it felt like this fun, nice, warm, cozy game that I was just streaming and having a good time. And then they out from underneath you pull a character death out of nowhere. I was full on streaming. Like I had stream up. I was live. People were in chat and I I'm like sitting here fighting back crying because like this particular character die. I didn't realize how much I was attached to them. I'm trying not to say which character in case anyone does want to play it. And like, you don't want to have that ruined for you, even though the game's been out for a while. And if you haven't played it by now, go buy it, play it. Um, there's a sequel out as well, which is also really great. But like that game just did a really good job of making every character really likable. And you wanted every character, like the best things for everybody. Um, and then like the next chunk of the game is like every character processing and dealing with that death in like real time, which there's something about games that I don't want to say like lull you into a sense of security, <laughs> but like they feel cozy and fun. And then suddenly they just hit you with something very real that catches you off guard. And I just remember that just like really hit me in the middle again, in the middle of a stream where everyone's, you know, in stream throwing crying emojis everywhere. And you're like, no, I know. And I'm trying not to on like, <laughs> a live stream right now but it was just i think that moment was one that has stuck with me in a game um which i saw a couple people when i said arcade spirits i saw matt get very excited um well have other people played arcade spirits do people know that game no but now i'm interested now i kind of want to go check it out (laughs) it's it's super 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 delightful and as well as like low stakes games where it's literally just like most of it is just answering dialogue questions Mm-hmm. and seeing where things go. And there is some, like, you can, like, the order you do things, and you can romance different characters if you want and kind of pursue different paths. But from a gameplay perspective, it's very low stress versus, like, Chris's Assassin's Creed, where, <laughs> you know, high stakes, high stress, lots of death and whatnot. Um, so it's, it's not a nice, like, it's not cozy. <laughs> not cozy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is normally Chris's, like, that's that's normally your lane, is, like, very cozy games. Yeah, I know. I started off with the game that's not really the least cozy. I, am. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll we'll come back. We'll come back. Um, uh, MB, what do you got for us? Oh, what do I got? So mine, mine does borderline both on the emotional and the nostalgia lines. Um, a little game called Final Fantasy VII. So, <laughs> granted, we are twenty five years since the initial release of it, and granted, there is a remake. So I won't spoil it too much, but there is a certain character death that if you don't know by now, I just, I have nothing to say to you. But anyway, this character's death. I can't, I can't help you. I can't help you. We all know. We all know, but because the remake is out and this character is still currently alive and probably will die in the next phase, won't go into it, but not knowing that first playthrough when it happened, and then everything just culminating. And then the music is playing and you're watching it happen. And I remember that game was a majority of my my high school and my, my with my friends. Like we all got close with our love of video games. 
And I remember that we all would play everyone's saved files together. Depending on whoever's house we were at, my house, my 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 save of Final Fantasy VII. You know, my other friend's house, we play theirs. You know, it doesn't matter where we were. But I remember the first time we all were together, it was my game. And we reached this point of this character's death. And we were in tears. Like, we were literally in tears watching this play out. And I remember a friend of mine was like, I can't play this anymore. Because it was just, not only had it become her favorite character, but like now she's like, well, now I have to max this character out and just never let her die. Them die. Sorry. <laughs> but Listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know. No, who dies who in Final Fantasy VII, then shame on you <laughs> and turn it off and go spend the first 48 hours of that game go playing it. Um, but but anyway, so yeah, so that again, very similar to to um you, the game you mentioned, Eric, where like it happens in the first third of the game, and then you're spending the rest of this game coping and dealing and carrying on with that same mission, all while trying not to ball your eyes out ever every time this character is is mentioned. And then there are like, you know, these dream sequences and these flashbacks and and all these other things where they're referred to, and you're like did this really have to happen? So much to the point where people would, you know, hack their PlayStations so that she didn't have to die. And like my friend's brother did that too. I'm like, you kind of ruined it because there's that emotional aspect of it that's gone. But I think I've never had a game affect me as much as Final Fantasy VII did in that way, both as the, that emotion level, but then just having that nostalgia with my friends, even as the new remake is coming out, knowing that it's going to happen, them hinting at it far more than it ever was in the original version, and just waiting for that moment now, it's that's, I mean, it's already building it up and it's not, the second part isn't even out yet. Yeah, and I feel like there's an entire new generation of people playing this game who are about to find out yeah. and about to have a real bad time. Yeah, they're about to fuck around to find out. I mean, that's really what it boils <laughs> down to. I did see um, people on Twitter that were like people being obnoxious about the new final, like younger people being obnoxious about it and people replying with like, this character dies and then being like, what? And you're like, game's been out for like 20 years. Yeah. Get it together. Like, I, I can't help you. <laughs> and then and then there were people, you know, of our generation who had played the original version who are like, well, people are now, you know, speculating that they may really change the story. Like they mm. may make it so that she doesn't. However, if anyone has played the remake, they are already showing flashes of this happening. Like I've noticed it. it. They're they're foreshadowing it more than I would have noticed in the previous, you know, right. iteration. So I don't know. I would be mad if they take it out because I feel like it's one of those instigating factors that does need to happen for the story to continue on as it did so well. In the in the original game. Yep. Like I said, I'm yes. looking forward to part two when everyone loses their fucking shit. Yes. And we all sit back. <laughs> It'll be like the millennials sitting back, sipping their coffee, being like, "We done know." Yeah, we knew. Yeah. Um, we know, and I'm gonna cry still. Okay, yeah. and I will still cry my eyes out because this remake is just everything I ever wanted, and I just know it can do no harm. <laughs> it's just please, just give it to me. I want to. I want to sob. Um. So, uh nick let's talk what what made you emotional well let's see i took i chose this first game i chose metal gear solid the death of sniper wolf 
um, for my first choice. Um, Metal Gear Solid came out in what, I want to say 97, and it was, it's lauded as one of the greatest games of all time if you haven't played it. Um, it ushered in this new wave of uh, espionage and sneaking around rather than going in, you know, balls out and guns out. Um, and it was very story driven. Like you would do a mission as part of a mission, and then a story would take like five or ten minutes to unfold. Um, and it was by uh, how do you pronounce his name? Adeo. Yes. Kojima, Thank you. Yeah. Um, which he has gotten crazier since other iterations. I'm like that man is uh, snorting the finest of cocaine. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but in the best of ways. But in the best of ways, exactly. <laughs> um, so the uh, the big bosses in Metal Gear Solid are uh, Revolver Ocelot, um, Psycho Manus, Sniper Wolf, and I want to say this other guy, uh, Big Boss, I want to say, if, if somebody check my memory. But um, you already had the boss, the iconic boss with Cycle Man is where you actually had to plug in your controller to the other the other port, which I thought was so fucking cool back in the day. I still think that's cool. Um, but the fight with Sniper Wolf, once I think about it, it reminds me of the uh, the fight with uh, the Bride and Oren Ishii. Uh, how there was such a um, towards the end of it, there was such a, a mutual respect for the opponents and when you actually had to finally take down Sniper Wolf and she said I I don't want to die as a dog um and Solid Snake is like you never would die as a dog you're a proud wolf and there's this mutual admiration um between them that even though I had to kill you I still honor you as the enemy that I know, the formidable enemy that I know you were. And there was a, uh, what's his name? The crazy computer guy. Um, shit. He had a crush on Sniper Wolf for some odd reason. Is it Otacon, um, I think? Otacon, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yes. Um, and I don't, that was kind of out of the blue for some odd reason. I, I don't know that he had a hard on for her and he just met her, but men, um, <laughs> I got emotional because Sniper Wolf is those few women that I gravitate towards in a game that's steely, cold as ice woman that um I could see in a, a fighting game like a Nina Williams or a Katana or Ivy Valentine. Um, and her story about being Kurdish and growing up on the battlefield and this is all I knew and I wasn't actually waiting for somebody I wasn't waiting to kill somebody I was waiting for somebody to kill me um, so they could give me peace and it just kind of you feel so bad for her and you don't want to kill her but it's such an honorable killing to have that opportunity to do that I wish I could comment in any capacity about Metal Gear Solid, but that is a franchise that I have mm -hmm. never played. That, that is one of the sole moments I remember from my first playthrough, though, is that 
like that and Psycho Mantis. That's like everyone remembers the Psycho Mantis moment mm-hmm. who exactly. played it. Um, but yeah, no, I I remember that fight and I remember Sniper Wolf specifically. Like I couldn't have told you Big Boss was another boss in there. Um, because I haven't played it in 20 years or so. Right. <laughs> but but I specifically remember that moment. And yeah, no, I I get it. I get that. Yeah. All right, Marshall. Hit us with some emotions. <laughs> well, this one, I I bounced a lot of ideas off air to verify if there was like a trajectory we we're kind of looking for. But one of the ones I picked for this time, there's like a triage of like three or four games, probably like middle of high school. I probably saw so I was probably like a sophomore or junior that and they're more of like coming of age stories at the end of the day. So I have a big and I love Ocarina of Time very, very much. The story is pretty good. It's a, it's a Zelda game. It's fairly standard, fair and straightforward. But I have a lot of like personal journey with that game because we were we were a family where if I want if you wanted the next system, you sold everything and you had to move onward. So like I had I remember like I had been an N64 and like 50 games. And I think my mom really sold everything for like 50, 60 bucks to some guy in my neighborhood. Ow. Yeah, let's that's not about that bag of worms. That could be the real traumatic, you know, emotional. Is this? That's the emotional part right Mar- there. Marshall showed up for therapy today. He's like, let me just unpack all my <laughs> trauma on all of you today. Exactly. But um, I got I got an N64 when I was like seven or eight, so I don't have the cognitive capacity to probably finish this game without like an adult or like reading a strategy guide or something. So for those who are familiar, there's no there's no spoilers here. Uh, I spent a year as a kid just literally getting the first sword of the game. The little boulder in that maze terrified the ever-living shit out of me. And so I would just run around. <laughs> the, I would run around the Kokiri village just being like, I'm getting I'm getting 99 rupees and then I'm going to turn off the game, I guess. Like, on a weekly or monthly basis, basically. And then, like, so on. Like, it took me a year to get through the first dungeon. And then, uh, probably I tried for a year to get to, if those are familiar, Hyrule Castle Town. You're, like, exposed to the open world. You can actually go anywhere on the map. Well, certain areas in the map. Uh, but I, I was, like, 10 or 11. And I was one of those kids who, like, people love to scare. So I was just kind of, like, a nervous child, essentially. Um, at night, the stultures, like, the little skeletons pop out of the ground. And they scared the ever-living shit out of me. So, like, I wouldn't pause the game. I would just turn the system off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, no, nope, uh-uh. Not today. Mm-mm. We need to save file anyway. Nope. <laughs> so, like, several months or a year of doing that, and then eventually we sold the N64. So I had no way to revisit it. You know, years, literally, what, six, seven years pass. And then I remember I didn't get Wind Waker for Christmas. I got the GameCube port that's like a, a demo of Wind Waker and like Ocarina, Majora, and like Zelda 1 and 2. And so I think it was like going into junior year, like the summer of my junior year of high school, I was like, I I can technically still op- play, go play Ocarina of Time. So I, I should go finish Ocarina of Time. So at the end of the day, it's just a game that I could never beat as a kid, but I probably spent like over a hundred hours just very much dicking around because there wasn't much I could actually do. Um, and then just getting to the end of that game, besides the story being a pretty good game and also Ocarina of Time being amazing. Uh, just like, uh, like, Again, like just coming of age, stepping forth, and just this is something I have wanted to finish for the past like seven, ten years of my life, and here we are. And this is like a like 
when you go back and finish that game and you finally hit like cross the finish line, you're like, oh God, I did like, I feel like finishing games can be as emotional as like a, like a good story beat. Like even if the story beats in the game aren't super emotional, just like the amount of time you put into something like that and like be able to say like, I finished, like I beat the game. Holy crap. Exactly. Uh, that'll be me in like 15 years with Baldur's Gate 3 when I'm like, oh I finally God, beat the game. I finally started. finished it. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, that was my second. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of like I feel like this is this is maybe like our like my childhood, but we have like uh like the neighborhood that we had and the kids that I went to school with, um we all had like different systems. So there's a lot of I need you, you to come help me out because I can't finish this damn boss fight to save my life. And there's that almost like little community of like, I need your help doing this and I really want to get to the end, but I can't. So yeah. All right, Matt. All right. Hit us with your emotions. Let me take you to a little town in Maine called Silent Hill. Uh, and we are going to yes. talk <laughs> about a moment. Now, I was te- I was telling Eric before this, I was like, I have like two or three. I'm trying to choose between going to be like a, a draw, but, but this is the first, one of the first moments in a game. And you know what? I'm going to be as non-spoilery as possible again, but again, PlayStation era, if you don't know this in your horror is this especially. number three we're talking um, about? No, this is number one. But every, oh. I feel like every one of them has a, a Everyone a has moment. a thing. Silent yeah. Hill has a bunch of emotional moments. It's so good. Um, but in the first game, you meet a character. You meet a lot of characters. Um, and most of them seem like kind of, I don't want to say unaffected by all of the horror that's going on around them, but they're very like, I'm going to figure out what's happened. I'm going to, here I am, Sybil the cop, and I'm going to go, oh like, yeah. I'm going to go do this. And I'm Dr. Kaufman, and I seem completely mm. unaffected. And then you meet Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she is, she is the innocence. She is the, like, she wants to help. Uh, she is the first time that you really see a character who is not you uh, with any sort of fear, really, in the game. Um, and you kind of watch her descent a little bit into like the fear and, and the fear really hitting her. And the last emotional note, spoiler ahead, like me out for a minute if you need to. <laughs> the spoiler ahead is that at one point she sort of she sort of separates herself from you because she's scared of you too. And you then watch as she, because she was also associated with something terrible that happened, uh pretty much dies in front of you uh this really painful looking like bloody death um and the music and the moment and everything it's like you can feel the helplessness of that moment in that cut scene and this was when again to take you back like you had like your little polygon kind of characters running around but then you got cut scenes that were very beautiful in some of these things and this was one that like konami was like yeah, no, we know what we're doing and we're going to ruin your life. Um, and it's a small moment and it's probably like, it didn't make me cry like plenty of other moments do. I'm a very emotional person. Anyone who knows me knows I have more than a handful of times I've cried at a game or a movie or, you know, anything. Um, I wouldn't say that I like cried more than once over the scene, but <laughs> like it sticks out to me as just like, it was just the moment of of the, I don't know, it just hit this pit in my stomach. Um, 
that has stuck with me for years at this point. Um, and I still remember it that that vividly in that moment of of seeing that and being like, oh. so yeah, like I said, and like the whole series has. I just did a whole replay of the series last year oh, of God, and yeah. like there's so many emotional moments in that whole series, but that one really sort of sets the tone for the rest of them. Um yeah. That's again another franchise that I Oh Eric, yeah. if yeah, if you even if you don't play it, if you can watch somebody else play it. So you, you would love picking this this series yeah. apart, like 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 more wise. The lore is amazing. It goes into like religious lore a little bit, and it goes yeah. into a little bit of like the psychological, like it's all psychological too. Yeah. It's it, yeah. Oh. And and I'm I'm so devastated that we never got um the the silent hills that was promised mm -hmm. and you know it it definitely is one of those ones that you want to talk about deep diving into a wikipedia rabbit rabbit hole <laughs> i have spent so many hours on this game playing these games watching these games diving into these games so i completely understand where matt is coming from because oh yeah i mean again it's just like not only just what you're seeing on the screen but just feeling it all mm -hmm. All right. I know when we were setting this up, I said we were going to like go one direction and then we'll go backwards. But I feel like I don't, I don't want Chris to sit here for almost an hour not speaking a second time. So we're just going to do the same order again. And I'm going to turn it back over to Chris and ask you what your what's your second. I feel free of you if like if you want to broaden to like maybe something in games that gets like a thing that like gets you emotional, whether it's like. I'm big on story beats or I'm big on certain elements, kind of however you want to interpret emotional in, in gaming. Um, but I'm going to look at Chris now that there's a dog sitting on your lap. <laughs> there's a dog on me right now. Oh, oh. oh. I have to tell the dogs. I know I should know the name, but what is the dog's name? Her name is Zoe. Hi Zoe. She's very, she's very emotional right now as well. Cause she wants her bone. I see. Is she hungry? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, um, I heard daddy being emotional about video games. I'm over here offering my emotional support. <laughs> so for me, and I think Eric, you actually streamed this at one point, you know, back in your streaming back days. Back in my streaming days, <laughs> back in the day. It's an indie so... game called Inside. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a puzzle. Yeah, it's a puzzle game. Um, it's a very short, like, side scroller type game. Mm-hmm. But it's also like everywhere. It's on phones, it's on Switch, it's on literally everywhere. It's probably in VR as well. Um, but I remember playing this when I was in college. I was like senior in college. And it was one of those things where I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. Woo, I'm about to like venture out into a scary world and I don't know what I'm doing. And, and I was playing this game thinking, oh, it looks cozy, it looks cute. It's just a little platformer, you know? Well, what could happen? And without spoiling too much what the game is, but it's just a very, it's a game about loneliness and you as the player are very lonely in this entire game. It's just you walking through a world that's kind of like broken apart by aliens and random technology. And it's, it's very sci-fi in that sense. There is no dialogue. There's not a single line of dialogue. There's just a lot of hinted, speeches and there's a lot of like writings on the wall or things that you discover while you are 
you know, walking around and solving puzzles. But um, a huge part of it is there's huge giant blob following you and it's really scary and daunting and terrifying and you're in the forest and everything and just you have to run away but um the main character or the player just sort of at one point gives up gives in and without this not being a story spoiler but there's just a lot of depression um themes in the story a lot of like loneliness and sort of like the character going over and over again like what do I do and when you fail at solving a puzzle or when you die it doesn't give you like like it's not one of those you know loading screen to go back it's very interactive where you feel like you come back up and you're like I have to do that again and you're very tired and I don't know I just remember feeling even though it's a very short game like three four hours tops it's just really sad Um, but I I loved it it's one of the best gaming experiences I've ever had because I felt so close to that player. I felt really close to the game, really attached to what it was trying to tell me. Um, it goes a little wild at the end with uh, like <laughs> what happens. I remember you were, you were streaming that part and it was really wild. Um, but even before that, it was, it was a very memorable and um, just emotional moment. Um. Back to you, Eric. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to I wanna talk about one because I think people who've played the game will know exactly what I'm talking about as soon as I say the game, but I'm also gonna try and do my best to not give things away because it's a newer game and I don't want to ruin things for anybody. So this is gonna be very difficult. I might just gloss over it for a second and then do something else. But the game Sea of Stars is this cute, adorable little JRPG style. Uh, It's very much like if you're playing Super Mario RPG, like it's kind of that, but with like a little bit of a different animation style and flavor and whatnot. And the basic premise is you play these twins who are solstice warriors and you're trying to like stop bad things from taking over the world. And I will just, the way I will frame it is that there is a, a particular moment in the game where something really traumatic happens in the arc of the story. Um, And it was one of those things where the entire rest of the game, I kept waiting for them to undo the thing. So like something happens and I kept waiting for me being able to find a way to fix it or me being able to find a way to like reverse what has happened. And I, and you don't. And like, you just kind of keep going and it allows your characters to kind of live in the fact that this happened. Um, I know that it is a lot of words without saying what actually happens. But again, with it being kind of a newer game, um, and I think similarly to Arcade Spirits, I wasn't I wasn't expecting the game to take a turn where I was going to be emotional. Um, and when it did, and then the way that it kind of navigates the rest of the game after that, it does it in such a beautiful way that I wasn't mad about what they did and I was grateful that I got to kind of experience that game in that way. Um, that's going to be the only way I can describe all of that without actually saying the very specific thing. I can't even say what the thing is, even vaguely, because then it'll, like, I know I'm watching Chris's face right now because Chris has been playing it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think, like, what are you talking about? What could you mean? Because I haven't gotten that far, obviously. I've right, clearly you hours. don't know, because if I said that game and emotions, you'd be like, oh, I fucking know. But you, you don't. Um, yeah, but already, even at the point that I am, the writing is just not like emotional, just like really, really good. So I can see it being 
you, you know, get invested in everybody. Like yeah. you're invested like in the twins. There's like the side characters that pop up are amazing and incredible characters. Like the story that they've written and the way that they've done it. Um, and there's definitely some spots where like the game nods at you. Like we know that you know this. Like there's a certain character that um, the minute they're they're living in a disguise and the minute they come out in their disguise as the as a different character, they literally wink at you. Like the character looks directly at the screen and just fucking winks at you <laughs> because they know that, you know, because of like how the character presents and like the certain items that they hold and other things like, you know. But like, it just does such a good endearing job of like all of that. Um, I will, I'll, because it's my podcast and I can say two things if I want to. Um, the other one that I was thinking, the other one that I can give a little bit, I can actually say a little bit more about, um, and this, it always feels so cheesy. I don't know why it got me the way that it did, but in the game Dragon Age Inquisition, I want to say like near, like maybe kind of the end of like a rough, like the first act or so, like you, you do a big battle and like your entire like headquarters just gets fucking wrecked. And then you like go wandering off and you refind all your people. And one of the women from like the Chantry like comes up and just starts singing. And then like everyone in the town like joins in this like big operatic singing moment together about like how they're going to find hope again. And even though everything is lost, like the light will find them and all this other stuff. And I don't know why. I don't know what was going on in my life at that moment that like I got so emotional about all these people singing in like the stranded snow that they had been like wandering through. But I think there was something about finding and acknowledging that hope in like a moment of the game where it was really like that Dragon Age, Dragon Age Inquisition really let it go like all the way to like you get out of this fight, your characters literally crawling through the snow and they make you go through like three or four screens of just crawling, trying to find somebody before you finally just like fucking pass out. Um, and then to have like that be one of the next beats of like this big, you know, this woman coming up and starting to sing and then everyone else kind of joining in that chorus. Um, it was, I don't know, it was some kind of a big powerful moment that I just really enjoyed. Well, I did one that wasn't involving like a care, a specific character death like I did for my first one. <laughs> um, yeah. MB, what do you, yeah. what do you got? Yeah, now I'm thinking, okay, I did the big character death, which, what can I think of next? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I have a couple of mine, but One's more personal and one's more story-wise. I'll go story, it's fine. Um, what Remains of Edith Fitch. Ooh. Um, such a great game with storytelling. You know, that's the game that is carried on story and piecing together the mystery of this family. Um, and I'm not going to ruin the game because it's relatively new-ish. Not new, but it's still around. Um, it's always on sale on Steam, so I highly suggest anybody who wants to play it to totally get it because it's worth it. Um, but again, it's just it's a lot of visual storytelling. You are finding out, you know, this curse with this family, you know, what's happened to all these members of her family that have died. I mean, that is the part of it, you know, she's trying to piece together, you know, what happened to her family. And then you go through these deaths and I mean, that's the story. You are piecing together these deaths and how they happened and the history of your family. And you get attached and emotional as like, you know how every time you step into somebody's flashback, you know how it's going to end. And so you're like, how did this happen? And how did this happen? And it's 
it was definitely, again, it's another one of those games that me and my friends got together one night. We started playing it. And I think we stayed up to like one or two in the morning. It was like, we got to keep going. Like we have to keep finding out how this goes. <laughs> and, um, and again, and, and you, you're on this like emotional roller coaster, even to the very end of the game. Um, and so, yeah, so someone, if, if definitely, I, I am a fan of being attached to characters, but also like, you've got to give me a story. You have to give me something that, you know, just like a good book, I want to keep turning that page. I want to keep, you know, going on to the next, you know, act and find out what's going to happen. And I feel like stories like that one where you are like, it's, you know, your first person you're submerged into Edith Fitch's story and her family. And you're just like involved. You're like, I'm there, I'm feeling this. And you like, you want to keep exploring and find out exactly what's going on. And it's just that emotional connection to it. Like, yeah, it's like that dramatic irony, you know, what's going to happen, but at the same time, you're like, you, you need to find out the why. And I think that was such a huge, huge impact on me that like, I will go back and I will play that game again, even though knowing how it ends. That's an, I feel like every game people are saying, I'm like, that's another one that's on my list of games I need to play. I am literally yep. adding it on my phone as everyone keeps sending these games. <laughs> so then I will add it to like my stream, my, my, my Steam wish list when this is done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been on my list for like forever that I've not gotten to get to. And every time something always comes up and I'm like, oh. All right, Nick, what's your, what do you got for us? What's your round two? Round two, I'm going to pick a... A widely known game um, by uh, what's it Naughty Dog? Uh, it was a now a series. Um, I'm picking The Last of Us, and I'm picking the scene that involves Sam and Henry. So, um, Joel and Ellie meet Sam and Henry, which they are brothers. I want to say in St. Louis. I don't know where they meet these these kids, but uh, the kids are um, kids get to drop on them and almost kill them, um, and so you progress through the story with actually your twosome is now a foursome, and there's a scene that Ellie and I think Henry is the younger one. Um, no, Sam is the one younger Sam, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ellie notices that Sam is bitten um, by whatever this disease that is going around. Um, and the next scene unfolds as Sam is turned and trying to get Ellie. And Henry sees that and shoots his own brother, kills him. And the grief that shows on Henry's face when he had to kill his own brother was just, it was something that I don't think I had seen in a video game in a long time. And he's going back and forth between either he's shooting um, Ellie or Joel, and then he turns the gun on himself. And that's the end of the scene. And I remember I was streaming that game when that scene first started to the point where I just had to stop the stream and say, I have to go deal with my emotions because I was, I knew not to get attached to characters in a game like that, but how they 
just did away with them in a manner that you just got so attached to was just insane to me. Yeah, I remember, I mean, I'm surprised we made it this far before somebody brought up The Last of Us, just based on, like, how emotional that entire game is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Like, I've, I've never finished, I never finished the first one. It was one that, like, I always wanted to, but I was so anxious and emotional Mm -hmm. through basically every mission that they send you on that I'd have to, like, stop, (laughs) go play something (laughs) calm and cozy, and then, like, three weeks later pick it back up to continue on like the next two hours yeah but Mm -hmm. i remember like the opening sequence of that game like exactly sets a tone in a way that you're like oh shit like this is we're doing that we're doing that like (laughs) all the cards are always on the table oh yeah i think i was fortunate because i picked it up back when it like first dropped like when it was first released like somewhere in close by so like you didn't know a ton Mm-hmm. in the same way so like when they started that opening sequence i was like oh it's gonna be like this guy and his daughter they're gonna go like kill zombies He's saving her and then i was like oh fuck yeah they said sh- they said she's dead and like yeah. and i think that set that tone for me that like late the later scenes you're talking about nick where it's like you get to these moments and you you know that it's bad like you know it's not going to be good mm-hmm. but the game does a way of like twisting that knife in a different way than you're expecting it to be twisted. Um, Cause like, it's bad enough that that happens to those two characters, but like the way that that transpires. It was so brutal. It was just mm-hmm. so, you know, it had to be brutal because of the world that they were living in. So right. for us to think that their death wasn't going to be anything less than was foolish on our part. Right. And fuck naughty dog for having, the last of us two come out when we was all in lockdown and depressed <laughs> like the being depressed and then playing a depressing ass game is like that was really rude of them <laughs> i just want to say dare. how dare <laughs> how that's why like animal she? animal crossing came animal out crossing. at the same time yeah exactly so was, like, oh. no, bounce back and forth i was playing both and my emotions were like what are you doing <laughs> like katie's <laughs> in there too so if i just wanted to die like, i could just go do it Right. We had like joy and depression on either side of you being like, this is wonderful. <laughs> Everything is awful. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think The Last of Us is one of those few games that does a really brilliant way of telling a very heavy story that is about a zombie apocalypse while not being about a zombie apocalypse. Yes. Like right. the way that it dives its narrative into how good it is about telling about these characters and the people and how quickly they can make you like care about people you just met only to know like they're looking at me like we're gonna fucking murder these people and you're like but what if one of them no like we're gonna kill all of them Mm -hmm. like the world sucks Mm -hmm. and that one episode in the tv show is also like it's like really really good yeah like yeah. yeah Just and they didn't have to really steer from the material if you wanted to tend. Yeah, exactly. Follow the material. So yeah, yeah, way. Yeah. Um. All right, Marshall. What do you got for us? More trauma! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So we're gonna revisit the very, very popular 
franchise of Final Fantasy VII yet again because I have a problem and I'm trying to deal with it. I don't know <laughs> what the appropriate <laughs> joke is for that. But um, Marshall's literally shown up here for therapy. Marshall's like, let me just yeah. Yeah. let's let's hear it. <laughs> um, so I guess, I guess for reference, actually, uh, me and my brother, there's eight years between us, and we played a lot of JRPGs in our childhood. So I'm I'm a dumb like five to ten year old. I can't. My grammar is not there. My brother's already in his teens, so we can still kind of comprehend and read, and the story still makes sense in my little pea brain. So we played through one through ten, and then most other Square RPGs. So around the time that Crisis Core came out, so 2007, 8, end of the, tw- end of the 2000s, uh, I didn't own a PSP, so I was like, I want to watch Crisis Core. So I watched it in like 24, 180p on YouTube, because that's that's what we had back then. So, <laughs> uh, And I love Zach Fair very dearly. He's one of my favorite characters. And uh, so I was like, I'm going to uh, replay like 7. And it's not new to Final Fantasy at that point, but I think seven, I mean, we've taught, we've phrased seven to high hell, but each character has, each character is a tragic character to a lot of different degrees. Um, But a game I knew as a kid and then revisited as a teenager, having a a deeper comprehension and kind of a more depressive outlook on the world, uh, definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things. Uh, I love... Two specific characters, Red 13 and Sid, very, very, very dearly. So as a as like as a child of divorce, my I'm close to my mother, I'm not very close to my father. There was a moment in seven where Red 13 thinks very I shouldn't say, yeah, has like no amicable feelings towards his father, thinks he's like a coward essentially. And throughout the story, that's what I like about seven, there's a lot of character moments that aren't specifically story related moments but they still weave in very very well realizes what his father has done to protect their little village and then his outlook on life kind of really changes from there going forward and i think it's something i won't speak for every child of divorce or child of like separated parents but that's kind of especially as a kid i kind of like hope that this parent i don't really don't have a good relationship with I wish this was the inverse. This is something like, you know, it's probably never going to come around, but this is a moment that like, you know, you kind of do wish could possibly be in reality. And then definitely at the time as a teenager, I uh, revisiting the Sid storyline of being kind of this very, very disgruntled old man. He's like in his twenties or thirties, but he's very (laughs) angry at the world over like one thing. Like it's truly, he truly had his joker of like one bad day and I'm kind of like a ruined individual. He's just mean to everybody. There's like no, a very unempathetic being. And then the, the own, the device of his own anger kind of almost becomes his undoing. Um, there's like, for a very gloss over reason, there's a, a part of his ship that broke. He couldn't have a ship launch. And then later, once you do get on that ship, as you're escaping that same part malfunctions and as he's sitting there kind of pinned under this big part the party's trying to lift it off of him he kind of realizes full circle i've been a shitty human being and this is kind of what i deserve and he encourages the party to leave without him and lo and behold like the party and his assistant kind of come out that everything ends up fine in the end then they have a very somber scene in an escape pod where you know he kind of comes to terms with his own emotions and admits that I've not been the best person whatsoever. And so the party does kind of be like, hey, like, 
everyone has their journey everybody has their emotions and this is how we process and deal with them um but for someone who's kind of been who's had the blinders on for so long and it takes a really really emotional moment to say i've i've not been the best and i'm truly truly sorry which not a lot of people can kind of do in in stories and in real life so it's uh it's one that definitely impacted me at the time revisiting i love this game so much (laughs) (laughs) all right and then last but not least matt what do you what do you got for round two well i would also like to talk a little bit about final fantasy let's go <laughs> but we're gonna go we're, but we're gonna go back an entry and a a, a little less trauma <laughs> we're going to go to final fantasy 6 mm-hmm. <laughs> um and specifically um and and anyone who has seen any of my social media when i've talked about moments knows probably what i'm going to talk about but <laughs> i have the stage right now so you're stuck um <laughs> yeah there is a scene in Final Fantasy VI. So there is there is a character, my favorite character in the entire series. Her name is Celis. She is a an imperial general. She has a whole tragic backstory. Everyone does. Again, all of them have are tragic. She has this whole backstory of like being raised and becoming this general and being experimented on and becoming a magic using general and all these other. The list goes on. Well, eventually, she story 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 uh she finds out that due to uh while they're trying to find an airship her group is trying to find a a, an airship and they find out that there's an airship that is owned by this person who is going to attempt to kidnap this opera singer and lo and behold she's a spitting image of this opera singer weird so she steps into the place of this opera singer to become you know the the diva of this stage now this all sounds really silly and it kind of is they they approach it very in a very sort of silly tongue-in-cheek way but then you get to this scene and you see what is the 16-bit equivalent of a three-part opera play out you get a whole introduction you get her like looking at her lines and and sort of freaking out and you have to like do this kind of interactive like solo with her um and there's a lot of story strands going on here where she's sort of showing that she is something different than what she was brought up to be and you have this guy who is like vowed to protect her like sort of semi coming to terms with the feelings that he has for her and then you have this octopus boss who's coming (laughs) octopus boss yes uh, who's coming to also ruin this show because he's just awful and he also wants this opera singer and there's just a lot going on but at the end of the day this was an rpg that had a full-on like musical number story in the middle of it and it played into the story and it had all these themes that you could connect with anyone could really connect with this was the first time that I looked at a video game. Mind you, this was probably, let's say, somewhere in the fifth to seventh grade region for me playing this. Um, this was the first time that I saw video games as art and not as just a bunch of pixels on a screen and you equip them and you beat things up. 
And that was major to me. Like that's, I have a tattoo on my leg of that scene because I just, it means that much to me. Um, and I just, I think Final Fantasy does a lot with those types of scenes anyway, with the, with music and expression and weaving a lot of threads together in like one good scene. They have plenty of good scenes. I shouldn't say that. Please, fandom, don't kill me. Um, <laughs> but that, that scene just, it's, the music's so good that moment I've, I've seen that number in in person like at a at a concert and like mm. tears were in my eyes because it just like i i truly feel like that was the moment that i felt like i wanted to be involved with video games and that video games were more than you know it's kind of like when people see a film and they're like no like this is more than just people talking on a screen so i don't know emotionally like that was a very like big moment for me and that is still in my head a lot uh, as one of the best scenes in in a video game I've played ever. So, thank you for your time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Who god! Who knew that Final Fantasy was going to have such a rep in this in this episode? No, How no. dare it have emotional beats? Oh my goodness! I mean, my other my third one was going to be Final Fantasy too. So, like, which which Final yeah. Fantasy? Ten. Yes. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh my god! We could just have an episode on Final Fantasy, Eric. I think this I think is we what need we don't need to do. Um, yep. Square. I was about to say Square Soft. That's how you know I'm old. That's, that's <laughs> it. it. You are in good company. <laughs> For all of the emotional trauma and the daddy issues that they gave us in that game. Exactly. Oh my god. We did so many I, daddy issues. There was. It started as a, as a panel that I did with the Boston Gamers. And we did a we did a pod episode recording of it later, but it was like your first video game crush. And I was like, I'm pretty sure mine was Titus, which might explain why I have like daddy issues. Like I'm I'm into twinks with daddy issues. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Lulu and those belts, please. And thank you. Oh, when she first stepped out of that tent. And oh, then my she God. Had them sitting all the hot hell. I was like, oh, my God. I think Lulu, Lulu woke up a generation of lesbians, drag queens, and kink community. Oh, yeah. the same God. time. Just all right. all We're going to talk about how much time and effort I put into cosplaying her once, but we'll talk about that another day. I would, that would be <laughs> like, that would be one that I, I would love to do a fun, like a dress up, like enough, because like, that. That entire ensemble is absurd. It's oh, amazing. Truly. Eric, I'm going to find the picture and I'll send it to you because amazing. it is. it was so good. <laughs> the next cosplay I am working on is Final Fantasy. It's supposed to be Kefka from oh, nice. Final Fantasy VI. So, <laughs> there you go. That and, is my next cosplay. And, and when, when, when we get to like... Scared. Say when we get to like finding finding people on social media and like following people and whatever, like click, you have to go find Nick because... The cosplays that Nick puts on oh, are stop. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> like and this, I've, I've only done three. I've only done three. But they've all been good. Yeah, they've yeah. all been. In, they've that every every time you post them, they're so. You're good. saying it's a perfect trilogy, then? Got that, it. Perfect. It's a perfect, yeah, got a perfect run. Um, the other one, the other one I was going to mention, and I'll just like do it briefly, is um, Mass Effect Three. Oh God. And like, and it's. I think I'm going to say something, but which I, which I think. I don't think it'll be something that you think I'm going to say. Maybe not. But this was, for me, Mass Effect 3 was long before, like, we had a lot of social media. Like, it was 2012. So it was, like, on the cusp of Twitter. We had some Facebook stuff. Like, you didn't know as much about a game going in. And I remember meeting, um, oh, God, I'm going to blank fully on the name. But, like, it was the one gay romanceable character. 
And it was like the moment you find out that you have this gay crewmate and like he's at a wall mourning the death of his partner. And because like they had died and or he had died in like the war, or whatever, like the, the stuff that was going on in the world. And I just remember like I was so taken back because I didn't know it was going to be there that like I was going to have a gay character and then later you could like romance, which that whole romance feels weird to me. Um, the emotional arc of that is like your husband's dead. Um, it's been three weeks. Uh, do you want a bone? <laughs> and then he's like, yes, I would like to bone because the world is about to end. So like, what, what else am I going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like the, the emotional arc on that was a little dicey, but that moment of, I mean, it was, it started in grief. Like it started in him mourning his partner, but like having even that representation in that space was something probably not to the same level, but like for Chris watching Assassin's or playing Assassin's Creed and like feeling that moment of like, there's something here that hits in a way that I haven't seen before. And from such a big titled company, I, that was one that always like stuck out to me is like, this is tiny little 30 second interaction um, but again, when you didn't know that it was going to be there, whereas like nowadays we'd all know it was going to be there seven months before the game ever came out because at least half a million people are going to protest it because they're all fucking assholes. So, <laughs> um, any other, any other th- like things that people wanted to throw out there? Anything else like quick round, like rapid fire round Robin? I had a quick one from the first Spider-Man game on PlayStation four. There's a character death. In it, I don't know how spoilery we want to get. I mean, but... I feel like that. I mean, I know I've been talking about mine, but like, that, go play Spider Man if you haven't already. Just stop the podcast right now. Go <laughs> yeah, play Spider Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm working okay. on it. Chris, you say what you need to say. You say the character name. It's fine. So Aunt May dies. Uh, <gasps> oh my God! Aunt May dies oh, in a no! Spider Man. How dare! In which one? <laughs> But the moment where, um, so she's very prominent in the whole game, and then close to the end where, um, you know, Spider-Man has the serum and he can he can revive her or he can bring her back or whatever. And he's wearing the suit and everything. And this whole time he's kept his secret identity. And she says, take off your mask. I want to see my nephew. I want to talk to my nephew, like as I die. And it's so, it's kind of out of nowhere a little bit. But at the same time, it's just really, really emotional. And he it's a really good character arc for him because he has the ability, he has something that he could, you know, bring her back or he could save the world with this antidote. And it's a really good character arc of how he went from, you know, taking the responsibility of Uncle Ben's death from the, at the beginning to now sort of taking the responsibility of saving the world and it's a really good moment for him and it's just really really sad um the camera kind of like pans out on them she just dies in the hospital bed and he's just crying and we're crying everyone's crying it's really good so that was my my quick one that was like when you said spider that wasn't the moment i was thinking of really which one i mean i know that's a big moment i was thinking of the fight with with dr octavius oh yeah yeah that's it that's it (laughs) I mean, the, yes, the Aunt May death is, is very sad, but <laughs> um, anything else that folks wanted to throw out real quick before we we wrap? Um, since I didn't say at least one indie game, I do just want to say, and without going into any depth with it, uh, if you want to get the last game that made me ugly cry, probably for a solid like 20 minutes after I finished it, uh, 
if you can do a visual novel, if you like gothic horror type stuff, go check out The House at Fata Morgana. Uh, it is gorgeous art. The story is very well, well written. The entire ending chapter probably didn't help that I was in an emotional state anyway, and probably about three drinks in. But uh, I was sobbing to the point where I had to like text my friend who suggested to me and was like, I need to talk right now. So <laughs> go check it out. It's a it's a fairly well known in its own community, but more people should check it out. Uh, I have one quick thing. I was surprised Matt didn't bring up a fire in the game, so I'm going to bring up a fire in the game very quickly because uh, I'm because I'm working through three houses right now again, again. Uh, right, but I, I do I do like the diverging uh, pathways, the different routes the game lets you take, and I feel like there's every there's a character for everybody, and there's definitely each route feels like its own thing. Like definitely the first arc. There we go. Uh, the first arc is definitely feels very same as you're like essentially being a professor to a bunch of students. But then once again, the trauma part kicks in and literally you know, war happens. But there's three separate distinct avenues that the game takes from there. And they're all kind of worth the road, wait and salt. So uh, it's fun that also that three separate routes of the game can also feel as good as they are. Any any other lingering things to throw out there? I just I mentioned um the Final Fantasy. I was Final Fantasy ten uh when uh oh my god, I blanked out on that woman's name. Yuna. Yuna, when Yuna at the end had to kill all of the Aeons. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. and that was Such really a good mm-hmm. I'm like, these hoes have been with me since a <laughs> hundred hours ago. And now <laughs> I gotta kill them off and each one that she killed off, you could just see the pain in her eyes. She's like, damn, another one. Double mm-hmm. homicide. Like Yeah, it was such a that was a good game. one. And that was such a good game. Oh. So good. Yeah. Uh, no, that was there was a lot of emotional beats in that game. Like a lot of good moments of just like, ooh, this is rough. That first like, sending scene mm-hmm. in Kilika is another mm-hmm. scene that just oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. so good. God, I gotta yeah. play Final Fantasy games. I guess yes. Oh my yes. god, you have to. The only one I played is um, seven, like remake. Uh, but I know what happens in the original. Okay, well, good. <laughs> so we're fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've already been spoiled. I play. I try to play the MMO. Like some some friends try to get me into it. I think fourteen or eleven. 14? No, 14. 14. Okay. Yeah. okay. And then I played 16. Yeah, I played 16. I have That's not tried 16 yet one. because I've been so invested in just trying to make sure I'm caught up with the remake before the next part comes out that I haven't even started 16 yet. Yeah. I wouldn't but it sounds like it. 10. It sounds like I should play 10. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 10, 10 is definitely a really good one. And yeah. 10 is great. 12 it's definitely, definitely readily 12, available yeah. too. Oh, oh. 10, yeah. 12. Well, and and then you gotta you gotta play 10 too. 10-2. Yeah, you do have to say yes. You've got to go in with a grain of salt, though. But it was yeah. good for story, but the concept is just like, what the hell? <laughs> you change you change your powers by changing your outfits. It's yeah, dress it up, like, it's dress up Barbie, the Final Fantasy it, game. It and really with was. guns. But it was a great and with story. Guns. Don't forget guns. <laughs> and they got guns. Why, and why music. is it called 10-2? I don't, it is a sequel. It is a yeah, it's a sequel, sequel to 10. 10. Oh, okay. Because it's what? It's, first it's one. Lulu. It was the first one. No, Riku. it's Yuna, Riku, and Kane. Um, Kane. New, and Kane. 
Is there ten three? No. Not yet. No. <laughs> Only thirteen <laughs> gets do, their privilege. Yeah, thirteen yeah. does get the uh, actual. Thirteen's another crazy 13. one that I just. Thirteen's so good too. <laughs> I like. I, like I feel 13, so. What I'm hearing is one trophy. <laughs> Like what? I, what I'm hearing once again is I at some point need to just do a Final Fantasy and why apparently we all love Final Fantasy yeah. so much. Yes. But I, I'm gonna say something in this space because I it's I I know it's a safe space for everyone to say something. Oh I have never finished a Final Fantasy game. <gasps> so this was fine. the last episode of the Queer XP. Thank you for joining us. To my credit, I, for ten I was almost to the end of it, but I it was long before we realized like understood how to properly do save files. And I got <laughs> stuck at a point where I could not beat the bot, like the next fight. It was one of the boss fights. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I, I just couldn't beat it, but I was too far in that when I reloaded my save file, there was nowhere to go back to. And so I was in this perpetual loop of, I can't beat it and I'm not prepared for it, but there's nothing else I can do. Yep. And so, like, that was what uh, probably a solid 60, 70, 80 hours into a game. And I was mm -hmm. like, my only option is to restart mm -hmm. the entire game. Mm -hmm. that and makes I, sense. I just yep. couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that happened to me in eight. There's a point in eight where you go into Lunatic Pandora. <laughs> and if you aren't prepared, every mob in there is only one experience point. So it's pretty much a point of no return. So I found it very similar. Unlike you, though, I did play through about 20 hours of gameplay to go back to prepare for it. So <laughs> yeah. I feel that pain so bad. And if it wouldn't have been that close to the end, <sighs> I probably would have gone back and redone it. But it was literally like one of the you're up on like a big airship somewhere. Yep. I think you're, no, you're not, yep. I think you're on sin. You're insane. Like you're yeah. Yeah. And like it's like kicking up zombies and like it could almost mm -hmm. insta down you if you weren't doing the right thing. Like. And I just, so I've never, um, I will do better. Did you oh, anybody ever played Legend of Dragoon? Oh, yes. That, that game. Where, like, back in the day, Rose. where Rose is, um, her other dragons, I guess, mm -hmm. all of them die. Mm -hmm, you remember mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. scene? Oh, my God, that was so sad. Oh, my God, that's such it, another good game, too. That one needs to remake. Like, a like proper, seriously. proper remake. Us. It really did because nothing compares to those games from the '90s. Like it will never be the same. <laughs> the kids these days don't understand. They the just don't understand. Back in my day, back in my uh, day, we had good games. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna wrap this up because <laughs> I haven't had dinner yet, and I'd like to go have dinner. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna go. We'll go reverse order. Um, if you'd like to be found on the internet, which I believe everyone on here generally likes to be found on the internet, uh, where can people find you? Starting with Matt. Hi. Um, so you can find me on uh, Twitter and only Twitter, uh, I'm calling it, uh, under uh, Final Counselor. You can also find me streaming on Twitch every so often under The Final Counselor uh, or on Blue Sky over at Matt Bartlett VO. Uh, you can also hear me, uh, you can hear my voice in Chad, a 76 Fallout podcast, as well as the upcoming Frontier Stories from the Starfield audio dramas. Uh, Marshall, where can people find you? Sure. Uh, most socials, it's Pokemarsh. Uh, if you want to listen to a podcast where I scream and perhaps there's someone in the background about Kingdom Hearts, 
you can check out Kingdom Hearts by Heart. There's another one. There we go. <laughs> hey, we didn't even talk about Kingdom Hearts at all. No, we're not going to do that. That should be another whole like, keep going. podcast. Another, oh, yeah, another that's another Nick. episode. <laughs> Nick, tell us all the places we can find you in your podcast. Well, you can find me. I'm at uh, Twitter at What Porter Say. I'm over at Blue Sky at Porter Pizzazz. I do have a podcast called Mechachine where we discuss topics of gay and geek culture from a Black queer perspective. We're all over social media at Mechachine One. Um, my Instagram is Porter Pizzazz. Uh, we should have an episode out here, I think, next week. We have a special guest there. So, yeah. MB, where can we find you? All right. So, yep, I'm still hanging on to Twitter um, at MB Dalto. Uh, but you can find me in on Instagram as MB Dalto as well. But for uh, Discord and all my gaming handles, you can find me as Druid Rose. And Chris, where can people find you? So I am not on Twitter anymore. Finally, I've I've done I've done it. She pulled we'll the plug. She said no more. <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts? I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. But it's been a solid two weeks. Um, <laughs> but uh... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was going to say like a year. I thought you were going to say from the beginning, like, oh, let me do it. It's been like a few hours. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can find me on TikTok. Um, I talk about video games from a gay Arab perspective. Uh, Chris Dafier, that's D A F E E R, and Discord, same handle. Um, yeah, those are the only pl- two places that I'm at right, right. now. Um, and then, as always, you can find the Queer XP at the Queer XP on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, and Blue Sky, because I, as soon as a social media platform pops up, will claim a name on it. Um, so find us all there. And then the last episode we have coming up before we take a holiday break um, is going to be our actual play of Visigoths versus Molgoths. And it is a, it's a dating sim set in a 90s, like suburban mall with like Roman Empire soldiers that have time traveled and are interacting with mall rats. And I'm making it a holiday episode, so there's going to be mall Santas everywhere. I haven't worked out the details yet. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, Every word you said in that that is 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 not what I expected. It's just, it started in one (laughs) spot and you're like, how did we get here? (laughs) And it's a beautiful thing. It's great. It's Um, great. And then when we come back after the break, we're going to have a couple things I've got lined up. Just, uh, we're doing a game called Queers with a Z which is an anime-inspired tabletop game. We're playing Glitter Hearts, uh, which is a Sailor Moon-ish inspired game. Uh, And then the other game we're doing down the line in January is uh, called Mitchum Fluffy Adventures, which is a cozy love letter to Saturday morning cartoons. And I'm excited for all of them. It's going to be wild, and every single one of those is different than the other. So (laughs) hopefully you enjoyed us. Keep an eye out for the last episode of December. And then we'll be on a short break before we come back in January. But make sure you tune in next week for Visigoths versus Malgoths. And we will see you all later. Bye.